The gospel today comes from the fifth chapter of Luke, starting with the first verse. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of our Lord. Good and gracious God, we are grateful to be here together on this sunny day, uh, your son's day, as we come to gather around your word in uh, the readings, in song, in prayer, uh, to bear one another up, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to weep with those who weep, to be your beloved community this day in this place. We thank you for gathering us in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Does anybody remember the TV show, The Does Office? Does anybody remember the TV show? <laughs> anybody remember The Office, the uh, sitcom based on the uh, fictional paper company Dunder Mifflin in Scranton, Pennsylvania? Uh, if not, uh, I'll jog your memory here with a little intro. Sound familiar? That music and that intro has been uh, running constantly in my house for the last month because my three youngest kids decided that they wanted to binge watch The Office. All nine seasons, 188 episodes, these characters have become part of our family this month. Around the clock, upstairs, downstairs, on laptops, The Office has filled our lives. Uh, and the premise of the show is uh, supposed to be, uh, it's a documentary that's being filmed about an average American office. Uh, and in so many ways, the show captured the mundane and the awkward and the hopeful and the funny and the heartwarming and heartbreaking and humanity of the workplace to which so many people could relate in its nine seasons. And we, and I say we because it feels like we've all been binge-watching the show this month, 
We finished the show yesterday afternoon. It all came down to the finale, and the final words of the entire series were so poignant, I thought, that came at the end. It was an interview, where they did all these interviews with the characters throughout the episodes, and there was an interview with Pam, and she sums up it all when she said, there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point? I refer to the sacred text of the office this morning to bring us into the sacred text of our gospel reading from Luke. Um, and at first hearing, our attention in that story from Luke can be drawn to the miracle of the catch of fish when they throw out the nets on the other side of the boat and get so many fish that it threatens to sink two boats. Or we might seize upon the story of Jesus calling his first disciples and then leaving everything behind. But this time around, as I've been sitting with this text, what has struck me is the ordinariness of how this story begins. Jesus comes to the shore, and with the crowds pressing in on him, Jesus sees two boats, and he steps into one of them. These boats belong to fishermen who were cleaning their nets after a long night of fishing, during which we learn they call absolutely nothing. And Jesus, by stepping into that boat, stepped into their workplace, their office, their worksite, their classroom, the location and locus of their daily work, the source of their livelihood. And since they had come up empty, he stepped right into their no good, very bad, disappointing workday. And it turns out in the Bible that this is kind of God's move. God calls people in this way at other times in the Bible as well. God appears to Moses as a burning bush when Moses was out tending sheep, doing the work of shepherding. God called the prophet Gideon while he was working, while he was beating wheat. And a little later in Luke's gospel, Jesus calls Levi the tax collector while he's working, sitting at his tax booth. God calls them all by interrupting their work and reorienting them by calling them to follow him. Now contrast these stories with the call of Isaiah in our first reading where God is on his great throne in the temple and the cherubim and the seraphim are covering their eyes because God is so holy. They're singing, holy, holy, holy as God's robes fill the temple. And much of the time, I think we look for God in that way in grand signs and great visions. We want the throne room and the robes and the heavenly creature and the beam of light to shine directly on us and for the angels to sing, Aww! when most of the time, God actually comes to us in the everyday places of our lives, including at our workplaces, and calls us to follow. I mean, imagine if Jesus walked into your workplace your office, your classroom, your home office, your hospital unit, your worksite or workshop. Do you ever think about Jesus, about God showing up at your job? How do you experience the presence of God in the work that you do? How does Jesus show up and call you to use your ability and skills and time in the service of others? I had two experiences of this recently, uh, thanks to a couple of our members. Um, as a pastor, it's a pretty cool thing when you get to see your members 
in action in their work. And I remember years ago, my internship supervisor telling me to visit members of my church at their work because you get a whole new understanding and appreciation for what they do. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, I went to the dentist. And when I say I went to the dentist, it took me a year to get to the dentist. The dentist makes me, to say the least, uncomfortable. But I had to go, and I sucked it up, and I went, and I talked to one of our members here who is a dentist, Amy Farrell, who you may know better as Avery's mom. And so she uh, organized me, she got me set up, and I went in, uh, and I was tense and nervous, sitting in the chair like a plank. And she was smart, and she was empathetic, and actually one of the dental hygienists, uh, her kids went to our preschool. And so they put me at ease amidst my anxiety and my vulnerability. It sort of made me think about this is how people come to see a pastor. They're a little nervous. They're very vulnerable. They're very open and uh, holding all of their emotions in. And I felt exactly the same way going to the dentist. So you can, you can know that I can relate. Um, and, uh, and it was an amazing experience, and I saw God in that place, despite my apprehensions and my fears. Um, and then, more recently, too, I, I went down to Pat McGrath's garage, and I got my car for, down there for its annual inspection. Uh, and in driving down, I remembered all the times that we had driven down to Pat's garage with our dying minivans. Two minivans have died in the six years that we've been here at Upper Dublin, and Pat has kept, kept those minivans on life support so that we could get to work, so that we could get our kids to where they needed to be, to and fro. Pat and his son Ryan have always kept us on the road and go that extra mile for us. Uh, there's nobody that knows less about cars than me, and so to be able to know and to trust somebody that can take care of our cars and take care of us in a very pastoral way is such a gift. In those two instances, and just in the last few weeks, I got to see these people in their work, and I got to see God in them. Uh, one commentator talks about it this way in thinking about our reading for today. He says, the last thing those tired fishermen were expecting was a showing of God's awesome power right there at the end of another workday. Why couldn't the same be said of our workdays? that they hold the possibility of seeing God's hand at work in our lives and all around us. And I wonder if you can see your work in that way, if you can see how it benefits others, how it serves the greater good. I wonder if you can recognize Christ in your midst with your coworkers or with those you teach or heal or serve or help, advise or lead. Or if you know what a difference that you are making by doing your work as it's informed and inspired by your faith. One scholar writes, Faithful discipleship makes ordinary work itself the vehicle of Jesus' real presence in the life of the world. Faithful discipleship makes ordinary work itself the vehicle of Jesus' presence in the life of the world. Martin Luther wrote all about this in his day. He said, Every person surely has a calling, and while attending to it, he or she serves God. A king serves God when he's at pains to look after and govern his people. So do a mother of the household when she tends a baby, a father of the household when he gains livelihood by working, a pupil when he applies himself to his studies. Therefore, it is great wisdom when a human being does what God commands and earnestly devotes him or herself 
to their vocation. He said, if you are a craftsman, only look at your tools, your needle, your thimble, your beer barrel, your articles of trade, your scales, your measures, and you will find a saying written on them. My dear, use me toward your neighbor as you would want him to act toward you with that which is his. And so I want to invite you this week to be mindful of how God is work at work in your work. Whether it's your job or your work at home, caring for family and friends, volunteering, whatever your daily work is, be on the lookout for how God and Jesus are stepping into your boat. Notice the moments of divine delight and surprise, the moments of tenderness and caring. Notice the moments when you feel supported and lifted up, uh, or when you are doing that for others. Notice the moments when you are at the end of your rope and God is there to catch you. Be on the lookout for how God is blessing you and how you are blessing others. One thing I like about the disciples' story is that although it says at the end of the reading they left everything behind, they didn't completely abandon their boats. Um, They just used them differently. For we see later in the Gospels, they sailed in boats all around the Sea of Galilee, taking Jesus from town to town so he could teach and heal. Um, Instead of looking for a catch of fish, they were looking for people to set free. They were in the boat when the great storm came up, and Jesus stood up and said to the storm, Peace, be still, and the storm was gone. The boat became their vantage point to see Jesus walking on the water and lifting Peter up out of the water when his faith failed and he began to sink. These boats became the vehicles of the gospel, the means to sharing God's love with the world. In Jesus, the tools of our trade become the tools of our faith. And finally, after Jesus was crucified and buried, what did his disciples do? They went fishing again out on the boat. And as they were out fishing in the boat, they looked to the shore, and a man was on the shore and called out to them to come and have breakfast. And so they came into the shore and gathered around the fire, and as the man broke the bread and served the fish, they recognized that it was Jesus. From that boat, they were invited into resurrection life. And so it is for us. Jesus gets into our boats Jesus gets into our lives, into our work, and he calls us. He repurposes us. He reorients us and shows us amazing things and the beauty that is already there. Jesus taught us and showed us that, in the words of Pam Halpert, there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things. That's kind of the whole point. Amen. Amen.